Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly. My name is Trevor. I am one of the pastors at the church at Greer Station and your host. Now, this week begins a series on what's called the ordinary means of grace. Now, the ordinary means of grace are those things that God typically uses to transform us into Christ's image. Those regular conduits the Spirit works through to grow us into Christ-likeness. Now, Pastor Zach Eswine said that we are obsessed with things that are large, famous, and fast. But God is obsessed with working through the small, mostly overlooked things practiced over long periods of time. Things like prayer, things like Bible reading, things like intaking sermons, going to church, fellowshipping, belonging to the saints, eating the Lord's Supper, and being baptized. These are the things that God has chosen to be the, the, the avenues through which He transforms us into Christ-likeness. Today begins the first of our, our conversations around these ordinary means of grace, where Adam Cooper and I talk about prayer. We talk strategies to prayer, how to improve prayer life, and why prayer is important. Uh, the week after that, uh, I'll, I'll be talking with Jim Slice about Bible reading and sermon intake, how, how to grow when you're Bible reading, and how to be a good listener to sermons. The week after that, we'll talk about going to church, belonging to church, and then the last week, we'll talk about the ordinances, Lord's Supper, and baptism. I hope you're encouraged to lean into these ordinary means of grace and are encouraged to see them with eyes of faith, that God is indeed working ever so slightly, even some slowly, even sometimes way more slowly than we would like for Him to work. God is at work in these things, and that God is gracious in providing them. There's no shortcuts. It's about being disciplined, and it's about having a long obedience in the same direction. And may God bless your efforts as you learn to lean into these things. Hope you enjoy. podcast is a appropriate volume do i need to go closer is this too close is this far enough away i'm gonna make this the opening <laughs> so i'm here <laughs> i'm here with adam and i i just snuck a text that's not going to be the opening it's no it's opening. not i forbid you from doing that <laughs> adam um thanks for uh thanks for dropping in the podcast to talk about prayer yeah this week begins our first conversation around some the, the ordinary means of grace, and we're going to begin by talking about prayer. Um, just snuck attack you when you're giving me a terrible face. I am giving you a terrible face. This is because you couldn't think of a, your own random question. Well, here's a random question for you. Have you ever had a dream involving you turning into Gumby? <laughs> I have had a dream of me <laughs> turning into Gumby. Um, there is a tornado. Sometimes in my dreams, characters randomly transform. And so I was in my backyard, and there's a tornado in the distance. And then the perspective changed, and I had turned into Gumby, and there's that little, like, wasn't there, like, a, a horse that was in the show, too? And we were just Gumby and the horse looking at the tornado. I don't know how, I don't know what to do with that. So, with that, let's transition to the topic at hand. Y'all, pray for Adam. The topic today is prayer. Um, what would you say is the importance of prayer? What are, what are some reasons that prayer is important, important for us to devote a podcast to? Uh, I think one of the foremost is that prayer is commanded in Scripture. Um, and I think there's reasons why it's commanded in Scripture. Like It's not just an arbitrary thing that God has decided that He wants us to do. I think He asked us to pray, one, because it's vital for us as people to— um, like it reminds us to rely on God, and I think it also transforms us as we pray. Um, like it transforms our desires to to seek to align our will with God's, but it's also it's just it's a helpful reminder that God is the one who's in control of things we're praying for and not ourselves. 
Yeah, that's good. It's a it's a um, uh, agenda setting task. It's um, it kind of gets us out of our own heads and steadies our hearts yep. and minds on Him and the most important things. Um, and Jesus did it. Jesus modeled it. And if go ahead, I think it's number one one of the number of reasons to do it is that if if anybody is going to show the need for prayer, it's Jesus. Like if he if he needs to pray, everyone needs to pray. Yeah. Why do you think? I, I would imagine. I would guess that if I go back and look at the most listened to episodes of the weekly, at the end of the day, this will probably be one of the fewest listened to. Like because prayer Ouch. just feels like a. Not thank, thank you for that. No, just but prayer just feels like such a. Um, maybe we just assume that we understand it more. Maybe it's uh, maybe it just feels burdensome. It, it's just kind of an unsexy topic, to be honest. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I think we don't believe we need God. I think is what it comes down to mm-hmm. is that if I really, truly thought I needed God, I would be praying nonstop. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jesus takes time to pray because He knows more than anybody the need He had He had for community with God. He would leave and go out by Himself to pray. And I notice when I'm in the difficult stages of life. I naturally want to pray. It's when times are easy and I think I've got it handled that I don't pray. So I think ultimately it's just a result of us kind of having an easy state in life and us not thinking that we need it. Mm. What, do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's I think that's right on. I think, you know, I've heard people talk about us being functional atheists. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the primary ways that we show ourselves to be that is prayerlessness. Um, I also think, you know, when I think about my own um, tendency to not be very... Uh, devoted to prayer sometimes it also comes down to uh, like more practical realities like a lack of strategy mm-hmm. a, a lack of having any kind of uh, like I remember Donald Whitney you, you shared this he talked about he used the illustration of um, like a beaded necklace mm-hmm. a pearl necklace where we just kind of have these go-to phrases that are kind of meaningless to us or, or maybe these like go-to things that we always pray about and we just kind of string them together and our prayers end up being um, really kind of thoughtless, ultimately mm. kind of heartless, and ultimately kind of boring at mm. the end of the day. I think it starts with, like you said, not knowing what to say. Yeah. And because we don't know what to say, we pick these phrases, and we, uh, what, the way Donald Whitney says it is, we pray the same old thing in the same old way. Mm. And I'm guilty of this, just like when I pray to God, thanking Him for food um, before, um, before eating— I'm guilty of kind of saying the similar phrases over and over again because I haven't really put thought into um, what I'm going to say. And so I just kind of default to these typical things I'll throw up there. Yeah. And so I think what he what he helpfully, I think, draws attention to, and we're referencing the little book, Praying the Bible, which is a really, really helpful little book. I think what he helpfully draws attention to is the fact that we need both structure and spontaneity yeah. in our prayer life. How would you, what, what would you say is the, the role of both structure and spontaneity in our prayers? Um, I think structure provides some intentionality, and it, it kind of gives you a game plan. And structure ultimately, I think, provides freedom. That w- when you have structure, um, I think G.K. Chesterton described the role of structure as um, if you have a playground in the, in the middle of the woods um, surrounded by wild animals, if you don't have a fence, the kids playing kickball don't have the freedom to really play without fear. Um, without the fence, the kids aren't going to play without fear because they're worried about what's going to come in and attack them. And so I think structure is needed because it provides us the freedom to enjoy what we have inside of that structure. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I think about um, uh, <clears throat> if, if you like ever go to the gym um, and, and you don't have any like predetermined workout um, or don't have any 
plan going into the gym, you just kind of conclude, I need to go to the gym. And you go to the gym and you just kind of look around and begin just kind of exercising yeah. on a whim. You just kind of meander and, yeah, have yeah. no direction. And you just kind of like, whatever I spontaneously feel like working out that day, I'm going to go work it out. You'll end up, in all likelihood, with no variety, probably the same you know, five or six different exercises, you're not going to push yourself to do things that you don't want to do, most likely. And at the end of the day, you're going to get pretty bored with it, and you're probably going to quit mm-hmm. after a while because there's no there's no structure or plan of attack that's going to challenge you, that's going to prevent you from being distracted, that's going right. to force you to do things that you typically... I think the myth do. people believe is they think spontaneous equals sincere, hmm. and they think if they have structure, then it means that they're not actually sincerely believing what they believe. And... Uh, my counter to that is if you look at the Book of Lamentations, it is the most structured book in the entire Bible. There's hmm. um, a set pattern, a set meter uh, in how it's written out, very planned, but it is one of the most emotional and sincere books in the entire Bible. And sometimes structure can breathe that sincerity. And so I've known people who will write out prayers beforehand, and those prayers can be just as sincere as somebody who's just flying by the seat of their pants while they're praying. Hmm. That's a really good point. Like the. The, the fallacy that spontaneity equals sincerity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, don't believe the hype. Spontaneity is overrated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, so a couple of helpful ways to structure your prayer life. Um, Martin Luther, you know, the, the chief amongst the Protestant reformers, there's this great story of him going to his barber, a guy named Peter, and Peter asking Luther, like, my prayer life is, is it's frustrating, it's dull, it is burdensome. How would you recommend that I pray? And Luther, for his barber, in response to this request, wrote this fantastic little booklet called A Simple Way to Pray. It's like, have you ever read it? Have you ever read that? Mm-mm. But it's, um, it's maybe 60 pages, and it's really, really, really easy to read, really, really helpful. But basically what he does is he teaches on the importance of the Lord's Prayer as, the, um, as kind of an agenda-setting prayer for Christians. It, it like hits the high marks of all of the things that we need to be routinely praying for. We need to routinely be acknowledging. Uh, actually, let's read it. Let's, let's go through the Lord's Prayer, and let's read it. Do you have it? Yeah, I got there first. Go ahead and read it. Uh, just so everyone knows, I was able to find it before you. But um, <laughs> Do you want me to start like in the intro? And, w- and when you pray, do not heap up empty praises the Gentiles do, blah, blah, blah. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So Luther makes the point that the Lord's Prayer is um, the course-charting or agenda-setting prayer of every Christian. So we, we begin with an acknowledgement that we have a Father in heaven who is holy and distinct from us. We, we pray that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as, in, as it is in heaven and, and in our hearts as well. There's a prayer of thanks that God provides daily bread for us, that he gives us air conditioning and vehicles and uh, the chicken and rice to put on our tables. Forgive us our debts and acknowledge, acknowledgement of our sin and our, our, our acknowledgement that we are in need of forgiveness. Um, and also an acknowledge that we need his divine power to help us to forgive those who hurt us. Um, then there's the, the final concluding bit of the prayer that says, lead us not into temptation. It's this acknowledgement that we are weak and frail and we need God's help. 
And also a prayer that God would deliver us from evil, that he would protect us from those evil things outside of us. So for Luther, again, this is a way that our teaches us the basic of the things that our, our hearts should be dwelling on. And what he does, the practical recommendation that he has for the Lord's Prayer, is that we would read it and then we would festoon it. That we would use it as a structure and kind of from the different things that are mentioned in the prayer, that we would get specific about our own needs and our own lives. So what does festoon mean? Um, C.S. Lewis actually talks about it in uh, Letters to Malcolm. Um, it's like the same way that you would festoon like a Christmas tree or you would... You would festoon like a staircase with garland. You would you, decorate. Like wrap around? Yeah, okay. yeah. Decorate. Like decorate it or like hang accoutrements on it, I guess. Uh, so for instance, like if, we're, if, we, if we take Luther's plan of attack and we festoon the Lord's Prayer, we would pray something like, Our Father in Heaven. And then we would say, uh, God, you are, you are big and I do not always think about your bigness. I do not always consider how transcendent and... and uh, mighty you are, hallowed be your name. May your name be holy in my heart. May I think more often about the, the grace and the way that you condescended to me. Yeah, and then maybe your thoughts go to ways that day or that week where you yeah. did not keep God's name hallowed. And then you like that might lead you towards asking for forgiveness in that moment for that. Sure, sure. And that's the thing too is he, he kind of says like chase the rabbit trail. Yeah. It's like go where, go where the Lord's prayer sends you as you think about that. Or even... Um, <clears throat> As you read Our Father in Heaven, maybe it makes you think about your dad. Mm-hmm. And you, th- you think, I have a father in heaven, and you have given me a father on earth, and I, and I pray for him. I pray yeah. for him today as he's at work. Or Thank you for the ways work. he's demonstrated your character to me. I pray that he would demonstrate your character today at work. Yeah, that's right. Um, or if we, if we get to verse 11 in the Lord's Prayer, <clears throat> when it says, Give us this day our daily bread, we take a moment to think about when I woke up this morning, there was a pot of coffee waiting on me. Mm-hmm. And I, well, I woke up this morning, for one. Like, thank you that you woke me up this morning. Thank you, that, thank you for coffee. Thank you mm-hmm. that I was there. Thank you for the electricity to brew the coffee. We just kind of allow that prayer to prompt, uh, to prompt our hearts and minds to begin kind of thinking in, in line with that. Now, Whitney, in his book, Praying the, Bi- Bi- Praying the Bible, takes this principle and then expands it. So Adam coaches up. What is... What is Whitney's plan of attack and praying the Bible. Yeah, so I mean, it is very similar to um, what Luther prescribes for uh, the Lord's Prayer. And essentially, it's just it's taking Scripture and allowing Scripture to guide your prayer. And um, the plan of attack he has is you read some passage of Scripture. Uh, he recommends the Psalms. And as you're reading, um, thinking and dwelling on it, you turn whatever thoughts you have towards God. Uh, and kind of like you said, chasing the rabbit trails. So if you take, I don't know, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And you think about um, any thought you have while thinking about that verse, you just go ahead and turn towards God in prayer. So maybe that verse might make me think about how there are times that I want and I want sinfully. And it's because I um, am envious of other people and I'm not trusting in the fact that God's provided for me. And I, I take that and maybe I um, ask forgiveness or things like that. And you just kind of sit in the sit in the passage for 5, 10, 15 minutes, and you just every thought you have that's guided by that scripture, you turn towards God. Uh, you can do that with the Psalms. You can do that with the Proverbs. Um, you can even do it with like the epistles and the Gospels. And the way you do it with stories and like with the epistles is you, you take the main point that's being taught in that, and then you dwell on that main point. And so maybe if you're reading David and Goliath, you think about how Jesus is like David and has defeated your enemies, and you kind of dwell on that, and then you turn those thoughts towards God. Yeah, and, and one of the things that is helpful in that book is he says, like, don't, um, don't 
um, how does he say it? it? Like, so for instance, when you, when you gave the, the Psalm 23, um, it, and it said, the Lord is my shepherd, it actually prompted me to think about um, our former student pastor, Michael, and how he was a shepherd in my life at one point, how mm-hmm. the Lord shepherded me through yeah. Michael. And so like, even having the freedom to think along those lines and kind mm-hmm. of like kind of let your brain wander and, yeah. and then take those things and turn it to the Lord. Like, you don't have to necessarily be thinking about the main point of the text. Like you yeah. don't necessarily have to be preaching a sermon based on it. It could be like a, a point that's the scripture's not even making. The point is though that like God through His Word is directing your prayers yeah. and providing the structure there. Um, one of the goods of this um, of this type of prayer is. I can pray that psalm, and I, I would do a different prayer every single time. Like, I pray about things I would normally never pray for because mm. the Scripture is bringing things to mind that I'm just not normally thinking about on a day-to-day basis. Um, it also, um, it just, so I did this with our community group once, and a person who's no longer in that community group had a tendency to pray to God, kind of like he was talking to his bros, and just kind of say, God, this person's just a great guy. Just thank you for this person. Um and when we did this for the first time, um, he gave one of the most beautiful prayers I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And it was because scripture was guiding the way he like addressed God in his prayers. Mm, that's good. So this is a way that I think is really helpful in cultivating, um, kind of keeping structure and spontaneity together. Um, this, this practice of praying scripture, praying the Lord's Prayer. I hope it's been useful and I hope it energizes your prayer life and I hope you put it to good use. Uh, today. And and we pray that this podcast is uh, useful and encouraging for you. Uh, Thanks for listening. We will talk with you next time. Thanks.